0: Chapter 29. No sooner had the sheriff and J.J. left than Daddy announced he was going to stop at Merriweather's on his way to work. I'm coming too. He is my friend, I said. As if searching for her approval, he gazed at Mama, and apparently he found it. Get dressed in a hurry, he instructed me. And don't forget about me, Mr. Haberlin, Patrick reminded him. It's my first day of learning to be an unpaid apprentice mechanic, remember? Patrick's word made words made Mama smile. Normally, something like that would have caused Daddy to grin as well, but his face was awash with worry, and he simply nodded. The radio was off, the front car windows were rolled down, and the morning air was already warm. Patrick was in the back seat whistling. Birdsong was just waking up. Y'all remember the house? Daddy asked. It's on Holly Street. I forget the address, but I know the one I answered. In no time flat, we were parked in front of Merriweather's house. Be right back, Daddy said. But I already had one foot out the door. I wondered if he was going to try and stop me, but he didn't. Of course Patrick was on my heels. We just stepped onto the sidewalk leading up to the house when two colored men who were sitting in the porch chairs on each side of the door rose to their feet. What can we do, y'all for y'all? One of the men asked. Here to see Meriwether Hunter, Daddy replied. Both men's faces were sour, and then they exchanged a strange look before one of them said, "'Y'all got business with him? He works with me.' "'Wait here,' one of the men commanded, and he went inside, and the other man stood in the front of the door as if he were guarding it. Seconds later, the colored pastor, whom I recognized from the station when he came to get gas, was on the porch. "'They're okay,' he informed the men.' Then he said, Good morning, Mr. Haberlin. Morning, Pastor Honeywell. Daddy and the pastor extended hands, and they shook. I'd like you to meet two pastors, one out of Charleston and the other from Orangeburg, friends of mine from Divinity School, Pastor Baldwin and Pastor Ellison. Pastors, this is Jake Aberlin. He is a decent man, owner of the gas station here that's listed in the Green Book. The Green Book, one pastor repeated, then finally smiled. "'Nice to meet you, Mr. Haberlin,' the other said. "'This is my boy Gabriel and his friend Patrick. "'Pleased to meet y'all, too,' the pastors responded with slight nods of their head. "'Pleased to meet you all as well,' I told them. "'As well,' Patrick uttered. "'We're here to watch over our folk,' Pastor Honeywell revealed as he scanned the streets. "'The front door was opened and we were ushered inside, and quickly it was shut and locked. "'Phoebe,' Merriweather's wife greeted us. A handkerchief was in her hand, and her eyes had just had that just cried look. Morning, Mr. Haberlin, Gabriel. But when she reached Patrick, she stalled. Patrick, he informed her. Morning, she said softly, and we replied, Morning, ma'am. On one side of the room, I noticed open suitcases were partially packed. Suddenly, Abigail whirled into the room. What y'all doing here so early in the morning? If you came to see the snake, you're too late, because Miss Duval already came and got it. And I wasn't scared, in case that's what you were wondering. But you should have seen the way my daddy killed it so quick. And another thing, one day I'm gonna write my very own book about bird song, including y'all and in everything that happened. But mostly it's gonna be about my daddy driving a tank during the war. So that way it won't be a secret anymore. And even though he didn't get a parade. Everyone will still know how brave he was. That's a ton of words to come out of someone at all, all at once, Abigail, Pastor Honeywell commented. <clears throat> a grinning Abigail, who obviously considered it a compliment, replied, Thank you, Pastor. Your daddy drove a tank, a real tank in the war, Patrick asked. Abigail replied, Yes, but when Patrick opened his mouth to say something else, I gave him a warning nudge, and he knew to be quiet abigail's eyes then landed on her mama she shrugged and apologized sorry mamma, but i figured since we're leaving birdsong today it doesn't matter anymore if folks around here knew about daddy and the tanks daddy glanced toward the suitcases and asked phoebe y'all leaving today yes sir we're going north to michigan a fella mary was in the service with has been after him to come north Claims he can get him a job in no time at the Ford plant, and we'll have a better future there. Hope he's right. Considering what happened, can't say I blame you, my father told her. Then he inquired, where's Meriwether now? The pastor responded, don't know. He drove off just before you got here. Said he'd be back shortly. Claimed he had to talk to someone about an important matter. I assumed he was referring to you. Lucas, I blurted. Y'all ain't got to worry. I heard him when he promised Mama not to hurt him. She even made him swear on the Bible, Abigail revealed. Tears rolled down Phoebe's face. Nothing I could say to stop him, nothing. Her hand clenched the handkerchief, and right then she reminded me of my own Mama. The next thing I knew, Daddy told us, Come on, and we headed for the door. Pastor Honeywell rushed outside with us, whispered something to his friends, and followed us to the car. I'm coming with y'all. I've got an obligation to every member of my flock, and Meriwether's one of them. And together we sped to the station. Chapter 30 Patrick leaned toward me and did something he rarely did. He whispered, You think Meriwether's going to kill Lucas? He swore on a Bible, I reminded him. Then maybe Lucas is going to kill him. Upon hearing those words, Daddy said, "'Patrick, that's enough back there. You hear?' "'Yes, sir.' Pastor Honeywell bowed his head and softly prayed. The quiet allowed a notion to enter my mind. "'The first time you meet someone, "'it's the beginning of a brand-new, unmapped trail. "'So there's no way of knowing if that path "'is going to be a short one, a long one, "'or somewhere in between, "'or maybe one that takes you in a circle "'and therefore never ends.' "'Not much time had passed since the day I'd met Mary her, "'but because he was so interesting and kind, "'I didn't want our friendship to be over yet. "'But like it or not, it appeared we were close to the end of our road. "'I glanced over at Patrick and wondered if ours would be a forever trail. "'Probably. "'Daddy's driving that day reminded me of the day I'd ridden with Betty Babcock, "'careless, seeming as if we were flying. "'As soon as we careened around the corner,' the station, I saw it. The black 36 Chevy, Meriwether's car. As soon as our wheels stopped rolling, I opened the door to get out and fell flat onto the asphalt. Gabriel, Daddy yelled. I sprang up and sprinted to the garage, and there they were. Lucas was backed up against the wall, and Meriwether was holding a metal pipe up high, prepared to strike. Meriwether, don't, I hollered. Not gonna hurt him. Just want him to admit it was him who did it. I inched inside, and right then Daddy, Pastor Honeywell, and Patrick arrived. Meriwether, Dad said calmly, and we started to walk toward him. Y'all stand down. This is between me and him, Meriwether warned. I sidestepped closer. Meriwether noticed and told me, you too, Gabriel. Put the pipe down, Meriwether. No good's going to come of this. By God's grace, Abigail wasn't hurt, the pastor pleaded. Lucas smirked. So father's little delight ain't dead. What a shame. Merryweather glanced at me, and I knew from the look in his eyes that the promise he had made to his wife was just about to be broken. I'm close enough, I thought, as I charged him. The force was just enough to make Merryweather lose his balance and drop the pipe. For a few seconds, everything was calm. Then Lucas suddenly howled, sounding like a sick hound, We watched as he clutched his chest and slumped to the garage floor. Daddy went to check him. Lucas? He shook his shoulder. Lucas! But Lucas wouldn't budge. His eyes were wide open, staring, lifeless. Many moments of silence passed. The pastor bowed his head in prayer. He's dead, ain't he? Patrick finally said. Appears so, Daddy commented. But Meriwether didn't even touch him. So why'd he die? Patrick asked. Dunno, Daddy replied. Dunno. For a while, no one moved or spoke any words, unless you count what was being said with our eyes, mostly disbelief. Finally, Merryweather leaned against a car inside the garage, and Pastor Honeywell joined him and placed an arm around his shoulder. Patrick headed over to Lucas and stared. Seen dead critters before, but never a dead man. Looks peculiar, don't he? Heard of people dropping dead, but never believed it till just now. I really didn't want to get near Lucas, but I figured this might be the only time I was going to be this close to a dead person. So I went over and stood beside Patrick and studied the eyes of what used to be Lucas Shaw. His body was still there, but his soul was gone. I suppose if he had been a good person, I would have cried, but seeing as he wasn't, not a single tear came. That's enough now, Daddy said. I'm going to go call Doc Riley. What for? Doc Riley ain't Jesus. Can't raise him from the dead, Patrick declared. To determine what killed him, Daddy answered, and to take care of his body. Chapter thirty one doc's on his way, Daddy told us. He covered the body of Lucas Shaw with a blanket and we'd gathered outside the garage. God surely works in mysterious ways, Pastor Honeywell said, and in this case, expeditiously. Wouldn't you agree, Mr. Haberlin, he inquired. I sure would. So there's likely no need for you to call the sheriff. Would you agree with that as well, the pastor added. No crime was committed, I said. Would have been if it hadn't been for Gabriel, Patrick noted. Meriwether sighed. Suppose we're even now. I saved you from being hit by a car, and now you turn around and save me from— He hesitated before continuing, killing a man. What you think about that, my young friend? He cracked a smile. I grinned. I think it's just fine. And now that Lucas is dead, y'all don't have to move, do you? Meriwether and the pastor shared a look. I'm about done with bird song. I have a strong suspicion bird song is through with me. Time to head north to a place that's rumored to be a trifle more hospitable. "'What's that mean, hospitable?' I asked. "'Welcome,' he he answered. "'I think it'll be better for y'all up there, too,' Daddy said. "'Only one way to know. That's to find out for myself.' "'Now about the sheriff,' Pastor Honeywell inquired again. "'Like Gabriel said, no crime has been committed, "'so I can't say I see a reason for calling him.' But y'all should be aware that he did come around my house this morning, askin' about the snake. Seems Miss Duval carried it over to him, and was, he was full of questions. This is small town. He glanced at Patrick, and tails fly fast. The pastor chuckled. Bird songs—a fitting name, then, ain't it? That it is. Old Pastor Honeywell stared long and hard into my daddy's eyes. If you don't have any objections, Mr. Haberlin, I think it'll be wise for Meriwether not to be here right about now. So we're going to head back onto the house and check on Phoebe and Abigail. That would be wise of you. Meriwether reached for Daddy's hand, and they shook. Thank you, Mr. Haberlin. It's likely I'll see you before we all leave. I'm sure of that, Meriwether. Plus, you'll need those title and registration papers for the car. I'm expecting them in today's mail. Merriweather smiled. Thanks again, Mr. Haberlin, for everything. Jake. The name's Jake. Then Merriweather turned to me and said, Thank you, Gabriel. Welcome, I replied, and thank you, too, for, you know, that day with the bicycle. Sure are lots of thank yous around here. I know. Bye, Mr. Merriweather Hunter, Patrick uttered. uttered, So long, Merriweather replied, and together Merriweather and the pastor headed to the car, pastor's arm, was around his shoulder, reminding me of a father with his son. Chapter 32 Daddy sent Patrick and me outside to work, and I was filling the tank with gas when an odd thought popped into my mind. The same way a car stops when it's out of fuel or something goes haywire in the engine, Lucas had come to his end. But unlike cars and other machines, once our light goes out, there's no way to ever start us up again. "'You see his eyes?' Patrick asked. "'Hope I don't have nightmares. "'Don't remind me.' "'Cars rolled in and out, as if it was a regular day "'and Lucas wasn't lying dead inside the station. "'A short while later, Doc Riley drove up "'with his daughter, Rosie, beside him. "'He politely greeted everyone, "'and everyone returned his greeting. "'He's in the garage,' my daddy told him. "'Rosie glanced at Patrick and me and said, "'Hi, y'all,' and took out a notebook and a pencil "'and began writing. "'Hi, Rosie.' How'd he die? She asked. Just dropped, same as a peach from a tree, and died. Patrick answered. Rosie jotting something in her notebook, and together we trailed her and her daddy and mine into the garage. Doc Riley lifted the blanket from Lucas. Jake, you said he was clutching his chest. Daddy nodded and cried out in pain. Yes, howled is more likely. Like it, Patrick added. Rosie peeked at the body but didn't even flinch doc riley scratched his head covered lucas back up and said so lucas shaw's luck finally ran out huh daddy asked his heart it was why the army navy and marines wouldn't take him when he tried to enlist wondered when it was finally gonna quit on him just a matter of time even the heart doctor i sent him down into charleston was in total agreement born with it you know a sick ticker nothing could have could be done His sister won't likely ask for an autopsy with his medical history. I'll stop over there to deliver the news and call the undertaker. Rosie, who had been busily taking notes, stopped and asked, Did rigor mortis set in yet, Daddy? No, Rosie takes at least four hours, remember? She nodded and scribbled something else in her tablet. My Rosie's got her mind set on being a doctor, you know. Jake, a voice called from outside the garage. Jake! suddenly sheriff monk and jj showed up at the doorway lucas croaked patrick blurted the sheriff and jj glanced at each other then stepped quickly over the body doc riley lifted the blanket to show sheriff and jj hart finally gave out surprised it lasted him this long the sheriff and jj stared at the body as if they didn't believe what they were seeing lucas shaw done gone and died jj asked Dropped dead right in front of us,' Daddy told him. "'Sheriff Monk tugged at his earlobe and ran his hand across his brow "'and glanced around at each one of us before he asked Doc Riley. "'No sign of injury of any kind. Not a thing.' "'Sheriff Monk's face twisted with questions, and he asked Dad- Daddy, "'Where's that colored boy who works here?' "'Home, I suppose.' "'With the gentlest of nudge possible, I let Patrick know to be quiet, "'and thankfully he was. "'You notify his sister yet, Doc?' I was going to, and then called Billy McGinney to come pick up the body, and you're certain it was his heart. I sent him to the specialist in Charleston myself. Remember after Pearl Harbor when he couldn't enlist? was because of that. Sheriff Hector Monk gazed up at the ceiling, sighing deeply, and proclaimed, Doc, I know you to be an honest fella. I'll stop by the Shaw place for you and save you the trip. Thank you kindly. I got some house calls to make. A car honked out at the station pumps three times. "'If y'all don't mind,' Daddy told him, "'I'll excuse myself. I've got a customer waiting.' J.J. his, shook his head in disbelief. "'Can't hardly believe it. "'Lucas Shaw really done and dropped dead.' The sheriff nervously tugged his ear again, and I watched his doubt return to his eyes. But second later, a shrug of his shoulders made it appear as if the investigation was over. The waiting car honked and Daddy hurried off. Patrick and I watched from the doorway as Sheriff and J.J. climbed into their patrol car. And when Sheriff Hector Monk spoke into their car's two-way radio, I knew that the news of Lucas Shaw's death was about to be broadcast all over Birdsong, USA. Doc Riley used the phone in Daddy's office to call Billy McGinty, the mayor undertaker. And then he and pretty Rosie Riley were gone too. She carried his black doctor's bag as if it already belonged to her. Before long Mamma showed up, wearing her mostly her most worried look. Y'all all right? she asked Patrick and me. You want to see him? Patrick asked. I gotta warn you though, his eyes is open, and it's even scarier than a Dracula movie. Mamma closed her eyes and shook her head. Horrible thing for y'all for y'all boys to witness, because so many things that summer seemed to be pushing me to the finish line of childhood. I wanted to say I'm not a boy any more. But because it didn't seem to be the right time for that, I didn't. She placed her hand on my shoulder. Patrick lifted the St. Christopher necklace from underneath his shirt and nervously fingered the small round metal. Mama, taking notes, said to him, I can drive you home, Patrick, if you like. It's been quite a day. No, thank you, ma'am. I'm going to go out front and help Mr. Haberlin like it was agreed, he replied. Then his hand, tightly clutching his medal, he was soldering off. Daddy told me everything when he phoned me, Mama said, that Meriwether's leaving to down, town today with his family. Yeah, heading north, clear to Michigan. Claims bird songs about done with him. Mama gazed off toward the foothills. Odd the way lives crisscross down here. I'm happy he's heading north, but I'll be forever grateful for him being here that day when the car almost tipped you. Forever grateful. Me too. He sure is a true friend." A half an hour passed before Billy McGinty arrived in his black hearse. Sad day it is, Agatha and Jake, when the Lord takes someone as young as Lucas Shaw. Sad day indeed. Daddy, Mama, and Patrick and I glanced at one another, and Patrick said what we were probably all thinking. He wasn't very nice. No one disagreed, not even Billy McGinty. I reckon his time had come, Daddy added. Bad heart, Doc Riley said. Never knew you. He never said a word about it to me. Minutes later, Daddy and Billy loaded the lifeless body of Lucas Shaw into the back of a Cadillac hearse. It never stops amazing me how heavy a dead body can be. Y'all take care now, the mayor undertaker said as he turned the key in the ignition. Nothing happened but a clicking noise, and he had to turn it again before it finally started. I'll bring it in for service next week, Jake. Might have to wait on that. Got no mechanic right now. Still got that colored boy, don't you? Nope he's leaving for a job up north. That's a shame. I've been hearing folks around here bragging on him. Yep, it's a shame. More goodbye words were uttered and we stood together staring at the funeral car as it made its way down the street. Lucas Shaw was really gone for good. Chapter 33. That night our house was mostly quiet. Mama didn't even offer up her usual dinnertime small talk. The windows were open and the radio was off, but outside crickets were creating music and lightning bugs were making their nightly summertime appearance. The tick of the grandfather clock seemed louder than usual. "'You think he left already?' I asked, as I helped with the dishes. "'I don't know,' Daddy replied. "'Hope not. I have those car papers for him.' "'What if he forgot?' "'Not likely. Having those papers is pretty crucial, especially since he won't likely be back any time soon.' "'Can we drive over there and see?' He folded up the newspaper. "'It's mighty important to you, isn't it, Gabriel?' "'Yes, sir, it is.' And before I knew it, the windows had been closed, and we, including Mama, were inside the car headed toward Meriwether's house. "'His car's still there!' I exclaimed as we drove up. I was so happy I wanted to cry. The two pastors were still there, too. But they smiled as soon as they saw us. "'Evening, pastors,' Daddy said. "'This is my wife, Agatha.' Evening, ma'am, they replied. We were all standing on the porch when Meriwether opened the door. His wife, Phoebe, and Abigail huddled in close beside him. Pastor Honeywell stood behind them. We were just coming to see y'all, but y'all got got here first, Abigail said. Meriwether grinned, opened the screen door, and welcomed us inside. Gabriel was worried that you had already left, Mama explained. Would never leave town without saying goodbye to friends, he replied. Before I forget, Daddy told him as he reached into his pocket, got those papers for your car and your name and the registration. Meriwether took the papers, examined them, and smiled. Ain't this something? Want to thank y'all for something, Phoebe said. Our time here has ended sooner than expected, and certainly not in the way we planned. But Birdsong has some fine folks. My wife is right. Thank you, Jake, for the opportunity you gave me and for the automobile. Meriwether patted my shoulder before continuing. Gabriel's very much like you, kind-hearted and respectful. Y'all have a right to be mighty proud. And sorry to leave you so sudden-like without another mechanic, but Pastor says it's likely when word gets out about me being at the garage when Lucas died, there's bound to be some trouble. I'll make out fine. Might even be able to hire a lure lure a fellow who went up to Raleigh to come back. Word is his romance didn't quite work out, Daddy told him pastor looked at his watch hate to interrupt such pleasant farewells but it's about that time y'all got your green book phoebe it's not safe for y'all to travel that far without it got it right here she replied and displayed it for him to see and then the hunters meriwether phoebe and Avon abigail glanced around their parlor one last time the thirty-six Chevy was packed so full there was barely room in the back seat for Abigail, but she squeezed in and grinned. "Likely we won't cross paths again any time soon," Merryweather commented as he settled in behind the steering wheel. Even though my wife and I still have family in Charleston, Michigan's quite a drive from Carolina, and a cold and cold with lots of snow in the winter time," Abigail added. "Lots of snow is something you know a lot about, right?" I reminded Meriwether. Sure thing. You remember the story, Gabriel. We had a lot of snow at the Battle of the Bulge. I remember. You know what I hope, What I hope? I said? What's that, Gabriel? Meriwether asked. That one day there'll be a parade for you and all the other co- colored heroes, too. He scanned the starry sky. My heart wonders if that could ever be. But I'll hold on to your hope. After all, you were right about me having a car someday, weren't you? I chuckled. Yes, sir, I was. And as he backed the car out of the drive, one way, everyone waved, and as it slowly disappeared into the darkness, I thought about what he had taught me about seeing things more clearly when we look at them through more eyes than just our own. I stood there and imagined myself peering through Merryweather's eyes, and realized he was heading off to what he hoped would be a better place with a better future, but through my eyes, I was losing a friend. This allowed me to be happy and sad at the same time. And that's why I was smiling when the tears came.